traditionally we (laughs) traditionally we uh we like to play only about 15 seconds but i i couldn't i couldn't disrespect little richard like that and not give him the whole womp bomb a loop bomb a lot bamboo i could give him the womp bomb a loop bomb and then cut it off but then what kind of person am i am i a sick individual but then you got to do the whole tutti fruity part and yell ah rudy as loud as i can yeah I mean, for, for, for anyone who uh, doesn't know why we started the show off with that is, uh, unfortunately, Little Richard died t- today, or, well, not necessarily the day that you're listening to this, but yeah, the day that we're recording this episode, Little Richard died. Um, we greatly missed, actually, I don't really know many people that know any other songs of his other than Tutti Fruity. Do you know what this honestly reminds me of? Uh, the Sandlot. No, no, no. <laughs> there, there's an episode of The Office where it's in a later season, but Ryan comes in and he's just like, "Oh no, oh no, Smokey Robinson has died," and he makes this big deal about the Smoke Man being dead, and it turns out he's not actually dead. But they start asking him because they know he makes a big deal out of things. They're like, what's one of his, your favorite songs? He's like, there's too many to name. Because he had no idea anything, right? He was just trying to do it for attention. Yeah. yeah. And then they're like, wow, I can buy you two tickets for a show that's an hour away. <laughs> do you want to do that? He's like, I can't pay that kind of money. <laughs> it's just, it's really funny. Um, because the same thing, like before the show, like this was the first song that we could have been like, we were like, yeah, we know that song. But like, we obviously know other ones of his songs. We just don't know what they're called. Or Yeah. And and that's a funny thing. Uh, whenever a famous musician dies, and generally if, if it's like an older one, right? Everyone's like, oh my God, like we're going to miss him so much. Blah, 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 blah. Like he did it such greatness for the music industry in the world. But then you ask him. Oh, like, what's your favorite song of theirs? I'd say nine times out of ten. If the person's, you know, ten years past their prime. No, hold on. That doesn't make sense. If they're, like, ten years younger than when that person was popular, that musician was popular, there's probably a good chance that they have no idea what any of, like, their full discography is. I, I mean, like you could be, you could look at it as like Chris Cornell or like even when uh, Chester Bedingfield died, right? And I don't even know who that is. He was the lead singer of Linkin Park. <laughs> oh, he died. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so breaking news to David. <laughs> um, yeah, it was like it was shortly after Chris Cornell too. Oh. Um. Not, not to start the show off on a completely <laughs> sad um, state, but yeah, he, he died in 2017. I remember the day very well because we were camping and one of my kind of like rules for camping is like I don't check my phone through the day. I'll check it at night before I go to bed or whatever, but my phone was blowing up and it was like one of my sales reps at the time who I'm still really good friends with now was like, yo, you're never going to believe this. You know how, like, the other day we had a Lincoln Park day? I was like, yeah. So I was, Chester's dead. I was like, no way. Wait, so you killed him? No, I didn't kill him. Um, I don't know. It, it sounds like you did. You had a Lincoln Park day, and then he died the next day. No, it was a few days later. Oh, okay, never mind then. Yeah, it was a, an apparent suicide. Um, and if I remember correctly... 
um, he was really, really close with uh, Chris Cornell, and it was oh, like, oh yeah, I remember hearing about this, and he was all sad and stuff like that. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> well, now you remember, and you yeah, just feel like yeah. a jerk, right? Oh really? Uh, on lighter news, uh, Sean and I have broken quarantine and played some board games together. But we, not really. We did. We uh, yeah, we did, but we didn't. We both sat at tables, I guess. Yeah, we sat at tables. It felt like we were playing a board game. So um, one thing that we've been trying to do over this, uh, the last few, are we at months now? Um, we're, we're almost at two months Yeah. Uh, of quarantine is the one thing that we have been planning on doing ever since, uh, since you moved and since the weather was get nice is uh have some regular board game days you know now that you're living uh about an hour away from me it's not too bad and uh then the whole coronavirus thing kind of ruined that so uh for people who know anything about me you guys will know that i thoroughly enjoy board games they are the the tabletop equivalent of video games for me and uh sean you like you you like some board games yeah i i I like them as long as they're not too fantasy driven like i like playing a part or thinking through a game right but if a game's like two yeah like if a game's two or three hours long and i have to like play up a persona or a character it's a little bit harder for me to stay right involved this is why i've never actually attempted D D. I feel like you might be able to uh, pull off uh, a D&D character for a little bit. See, like, I've, I've played D&D with some friends, and uh, I don't get too into the uh, the whole role-playing aspect of it. Um, I just kind of, like, I'll sit there and I'll play, and I'll play my character, but uh, I, I don't try and get into the mindset of the character. I just kind of, like, when it's my turn, then I kind of play. Like, you know, it's I feel like... When you're playing D and D, when when you're not doing anything, it's kind of like watching a cutscene, right? Everyone yeah, else is kind of doing their own thing, and then you can just hop in there and do whatever. Um, but anyway, so one thing that a lot of people have been trying to do over the last uh, few months is continue on with their board games, their board game nights. So for anyone who doesn't really play board games or maybe aren't uh, aware of some of these uh, new ways to play uh well like a big thing right now is a lot of people doing jackbox parties right because you can easily stream that over zoom or uh skype stuff like that uh, but there are some websites and uh or like i guess game yeah game like um systems i don't know that allow you to play board games virtually so like on your computer and your web browser and stuff like that so we played uh, we got the girlfriends together, set us all up at opposite tables or separate tables, went in on a uh, Zoom meeting and played a game of Everdell, which is uh, it's like a uh, worker placement town building game, which is I, it, I think is a lot of fun. It had a little bit of a, a deck build kind of feel to it as well. Almost, yeah, because you're trying to so so for anyone who doesn't know what Everdell is or what a um, so it's kind of a mix between yeah a deck builder kind of like uh, 
think of Pokemon cards, uh, where you are putting a deck together of the best Pokemon that you could have to make the best team, right? Whereas Everdale, you're building a town, and you can have a maximum of 15 cards in your little town, and each of them have a point value. So essentially, it's you want the most points. Um, but then in doing so, there's costs to build them, and that's by getting resources, and then, then you get those by placing your little worker creatures throughout the board. Um, but this was the first time I had actually played that with some people. Um, I, I kind of dabbled a little bit on that game beforehand with some strangers online um, just to get a feel for the program. Um, but that was the first time I've actually played like a full game with people and trying to actually play it like a board game. Um, now, I've played the actual board game, and I thought it was uh, fairly... Like, it, it has its pros and cons, uh, because, like, you you don't really feel... Like, you don't feel like you're there at the table. It's not the same thing as, like, having that physical board game. But all the components are there. You have the cards, you have all, like, the little meeples and stuff like that. Um, but explaining to each other how to play the game, because uh, my girlfriend and I had played it before... But then I had to explain it to you and your girlfriend, right? So uh, that was interesting because I'm, I don't know if you guys are looking at what I'm pointing at, right? Like you can see like my little floaty hand in the yeah. game. But it's that is in itself. I can see someone trying to explain a complicated game. Luckily, Everdell is a fairly straightforward game. It has a little bit of fiddliness to it. But once you figure out the mechanics, it's pretty easy. Um, but like... You had never done anything like that before, right? Correct. So, what what are your thoughts on? Um, so, like to like to just to go through the process, um, we found some of the mechanics very frustrating because it's no longer your hands; it's a mouse, right? Um, so, it, once we all figured out, we could help each other, especially like picking up those damn stones. Oh yeah, um, the stones are the bane of my existence. In that, for some reason, they're just like. Such a pain in the ass to pick their, up. Their hit target is very small. Yeah. But um, once, like, I, I think I said it best when we started playing, too. Like, I wanted to see, like, the first few turns because explaining it just meant nothing. And typically, like, before we try any game, like Seven Wonders or, um, I think, what was the other one? that Oh, uh, Villainous were the last two games we purchased. We picked up right. Duel and we uh, picked up... Uh, so, or yeah villainous in both of those games we watched little tutorials by some very reputable youtubers uh one's called the games girl and then there's another one i can't remember the guy's channel i'm gonna look it up really quickly board, board game explained or something like that game explained uh yeah but it, it's like it's this oh, man i can't remember um or game game rules explained something like that yeah any I, anyways I probably like, watched it but we um we watched those. Yeah, it's called Watch It Played is the channel that uh, the the two channels that we watch are Watch It Played and the Rules Girl. And we will always, always, always look for any game played by Will Wheaton. So if it's if it's made it to uh, why can't I think of his channel right now? Uh, well, he's no longer doing anything. Uh, his tabletop. Yeah, it's that's he's no longer doing that. He stopped that a little while ago because there's just all this drama with uh, a lot of stuff going on. That that could be a whole episode in itself. 
Yeah, cause, well, for most games, we were watching a lot of Geek and Sundries, yeah. um, Will Wheaton, Sabletop, but now I'm disappointed to learn that he's not doing those shows. Yeah, there's some problems with Geek and Sundry, and then also, uh, I guess, some, some of the fandom would totally rip on him if they played a game and missed a rule or was playing something incorrectly. So it, it became less fun. But anyway, so you were saying you, you, you watch... Uh... Um, yeah, so we'll watch those. We tried to watch a video on this game, and it was like freak... Like, it wasn't either of those two channels. And the way it was explained, we were like, what are we signing up for? Um, Crystal lost engagement a little bit through it. Um, only because she like she would rather be touching the pieces. So it... Like, it was hard for her to keep track of when her turn was. She couldn't really pay attention to the board. Um, her Mac was a little finicky with it as well. So we're like, okay, cool. I I get it. Um, I personally, like, for my brief review of the game, um, that's the type of game I'm really into. I have, like, I find a lot of success in games where you not only have to be strategic, but you have to... Like, you're keeping count of everything going on on the board. Mm. And I think that's the game in itself. Because halfway through the game, I had to, like, relearn something. Because I was like, oh, do I have the pieces for this? No, I don't. But I was just... I was slowly moving my way around the board very strategically. And I think I ended up with... I want to say seven more turns than everybody at the end of the game. Maybe not that much. But you had you did have more than a lot of people. You had... I had four pieces and three builds that I finished yeah, with. So but, seven, yeah. Yeah, and, and the, the thing is with that, and there's a lot going on the board, and these are kind of, um, this game, people can play cards that allow other players to interact with them, so it's also very difficult to kind of see what, uh, like you can zoom around and zoom in on other people's cards and stuff like that, but um, it's a lot of moving around, and especially if you've never played anything on a digital tabletop system, uh, yeah, I can see how it can be kind of daunting and, and difficult, but I hope that uh, you know Carissa is willing to try and play some some other stuff on there because I feel like there are other options for other games. Like there's a ton of stuff on. So the system that we're using was Tabletopia. It's a uh, free. It's a free tabletop game thing. You can play it in your browser, or they have a it through Steam on Mac and PC and some mobile actually I think you can get on Android and iOS um, but that's the one that we used and it was um, pretty I don't know I think it worked well for how how we had it set up um, I know a lot of people play games like Gloomhaven on there and some other like bigger games that require a lot of setup like Gloomhaven that game like the, the box weighs like 22 pounds because there's so much stuff in it yeah um, but you know, I wish that there was things like, uh, like Pandemic Legacy and and stuff like that. Uh, but the the problem with that is that these are sandbox games, right? So everyone has to know the rules. There's really very little automation to it, right? Like when we started it, the game board was set up. Um, but other than that, you know, we can move anything around. We can completely destroy it, right? So uh, it would be nice if there was like some sort of legacy type system that could be implemented but who knows they might be doing that um but yeah i i think that one was the easier one that we used 
Well, uh, there's Tabletop Simulator, which is um, it's a paid paid app or paid program uh, on on Steam, and I think that one runs about twenty bucks Canadian. Um, but that one, you can have pretty much anything, and uh, it's a one-time payment thing. There are some like official uh, games like Scythe and uh, Scythe. I don't know some other stuff that are like paid DLC, but there's also community-made games that people make, which is pretty cool. So pretty much if there's a, a board game out there, there's a good chance, or I would say even a fairly popular board game at some point in the last like five years, maybe last like 10 years, there's a good chance there's a digital version of it on there. So for like anyone who is interested in playing board games with their friends, especially with how everything is going right now in the world, that is always a good option. Tabletopia.com, I believe, is the website, which is a good free option. There was another one that you uh, that we were looking at. Um, Board Game Arena. Board Game Arena, which is also a good one. It, um, that one also has really good, some really good tutorial um, things that are for for the games. But I found that Board Game Arena doesn't have as big of a selection of games as. Uh, uh, tabletopia but it does have more um it has more triple a games like if you go on to board gamer i have the um the screen up because I, I knew you were going to bring this up um so if you go on board game arena's main page um the first thing advertised before you even jump in or jump in is seven wonders which is like widely regarded as one of the most popular games to play right now period yeah um uh, the pronunciation might be a little uh bang but uh carcassonne uh yeah carcassonne or something like that i carcassonne carcassonne yeah the the top six games on the website um actually there's a, there's a bunch. So it's like Seven Wonders, Six Nimit, uh, King Domino, Terra Mystica, which was one of the games that you and I saw at that board game store, and there was just piles of it. Oh, yeah. Um, Saboteur, Stone Age. Um, there's a game called Seasons that looks... I like the box art. <laughs> um, Sapiens, Sushi Go, Race for the Galaxy Through the Ages. Not bad, not bad. Those are those are like there's yeah. a lot of core games that they've added to it from what I can see as well. So so the thing that I noticed with uh, Board Game Arena is that they have a lot of they, they I think they do have more of these like really popular ones or or I would say well known ones. So like Seven Wonders, Carcassonne, um, Love Letter, but they are behind a paywall. So you have to be a premium member. Now the price of premium isn't that bad. Um, it's like. 30 bucks for a year 34 80 canadian for a year or six bucks a month um which isn't bad but the thing is is in order to uh i i noticed that the, the premium games uh they they don't have that many uh they have 176 I, total games in their online library but then the premium let's see Their premium games was only like 48. So out of all of the games that they have, um, they pretty much have like their top games um, as their premium ones. 
and so unless those are games that you really absolutely want to play and it's not an option on tabletopia or you don't have like the the digital version of it or whatnot then yeah like you're gonna have to be paying the the uh, premium version of it yeah the one like, thing um, i didn't like about uh board game arena is now this is designed to be to work with your browser and it's designed to be like very browser friendly uh so it's like simple easy to use right um i just did not like how it's i don't know i i feel like with tabletopia or board game uh or sorry tabletop simulator you get that better feeling of actually playing the physical board game whereas these are modified versions of the game to work in a browser think of like the old like news ground website like the flash based games yeah I and that's very those. much what this is like um which i guess that works for some people uh but i think if you're looking for a truer board game experience then uh something like tabletopia or tabletop simulators better but i feel like there's more automation in board game arena and i know that you had mentioned that when we were we were playing um that you know why can't it just do do stuff for us well <laughs> right? that that was the last thing i was going to bring up before we got into the humble bundle that you discovered i mean you didn't discover it because they're advertising it pretty heavily but um, the one thing that Tabletopia really kind of lost on me, and I'm curious because Everdell might have been in that um, uh, humble, right? Uh, no, it is not. All right. The the one thing like that kind of ruined the end of the game for both of us is why everybody recounted each other's scores because there's no definitive way to like calculate your score at the end of the game because you're moving these pieces but you would think if your cards were in the blue zones for your or whatever zone color you had it should be able to calculate the value of your card if you're playing on a computer i think that is a necessary step to make yourself like uh a more intuitive program Whereas, like, we had to count the cards, and then it's all the bonuses, right? So I had a card, and you were like, why'd you pull this off? I was like, well, because I wanted to make sure I had it. But it was, like, a two-point card, and then because I had that specific card, I got another six points because I had certain elements that were available to me, or, I guess, what, what are they considered? Um, well, whatever, I had, like, materials. Yeah. Oh, and then yeah. I also had, like, a bunch of bonus stuff on the side, and it was just so hard to keep track. Because, like, I counted my score. I was, like, 39. You're, like, you have 41. I was, like, oh, fuck yeah. So so the thing is, though, uh, Tabletopia and Tabletop Simulator, their sandbox, uh, sandbox game system. So they are not – like, they'll automate things like shuffling your deck and initial setup. But things like scoring and moving players and rolling dice and stuff like that, that is – that is all on you. It's no different than playing the actual board game at your kitchen table, right? We would still have to count up all of our scores if we were playing that sitting together in the same room, right? So that's kind of what the the system is. Now, all of those games have to be programmed or designed by someone. So it's like either the game developers have a designer that they, they translate the game into uh, that platform, so they would actually have to program a 
um, a script or something like that to calculate all of those scores and everything. But the problem with, uh, and I understand, and I think you're coming from a more of a video game idea or mindset, right? Where it's like, oh, I play this. It's on a computer. It should it should do this for me, right? Like if then and that type of thing. Um, but then this is literally a, a digital translation of a board game, but not a video game. Um, and I think that's where kind of things like the Asmodee Humble Bundle uh, changes things because those are board games, but turned into a video game. So they're designed to be uh, with that automation and kind of carry you through the, the game and then each step. Um, things like, and, and, and with like Everdell and scoring and stuff like that. And like you said, like you had cards that changed your, uh, changed your, uh, or modifiers, right? That gave you extra po points for certain things that you had. Um, there's so many different variables. Each game ends up differently, right? That, yeah, that would almost be impossible to program into just a basic script. Um, but yeah, then I actually didn't discover, like you had said, but I saw. What was that? What was what? I don't know. I heard some <laughs> weird music. Oh, board game arenas in the background, and it just made some. It's just playing music. <laughs> <laughs> just some weird jingle. Um, anyways. Um, so yeah, shortly after uh, we finished that game, I saw that the new Humble Bundle was an Asmodee digital bundle, um, and it was it is actually a phenomenal collection um, if you are into tabletop games, but you don't want to have to calculate your own score at the end of the game. Uh, for... And it's a pay-what-you-want bundle. We should make that very clear for listeners. Yeah, so with with a lot of the humble bundles, they have like a set kind of like paid tiers, um, but generally it's like they have a, a, a minimum price, um, an average price, and then a a higher tier that will get you more stuff. So you can pay anywhere between the minimum and whatever you want. And I've got the prices here stuff. if you want them. Oh, I have them here too. So a dollar fifty, and these are pretty. These are good games. So. $1.50 gets you Small World 2, Kakarsanon, Patchwork, Kings and Assassin, Love Letter, and Potion Explosion. Out of the th out of those six, um, I've played the real-life board game of two or, yeah, three of them. Uh, Small World, Kakarsanon, and Love Letter. And they are all very good transitions to a uh, computer game. The nice thing is that it does all the scoring. Like Kakarsanone, that's a fun game, but the biggest complaint that everyone has is scoring at the end. Uh, I don't even understand how scoring really works for that because it's just really confusing. Um, but I played Patchwork the other day, which is literally a game of uh, taking little bits of like fabric and putting to them together on your board to create a a blanket type thing mm -hmm. um and it's it's it was fun like as simple as a game it it was a lot of fun i played some random person online i lost horribly but yeah it was fun um and then the average price right now it's uh about 14 and a half dollars you get a bunch of expansions so much more stuff so you get splendor which is a uh, very popular 
very popular board game uh, with two expansions for that. You get a bunch of Kakarsinone expansions, um, Traders and Builders, Winter and Gingerbread Man, so it changes some stuff, adds some stuff. Uh, you get some Small World expansions and two other games, Mysterium and Twilight Struggle, and those are two like actually very good games. Uh, Mysterium is a excellent uh, group game, essentially where one person is like a ghost and everyone else is psychics, and you have to determine what who was murdered. Um, we have the actual physical board game of that. It's a it's a very popular game, uh, and uh, what was the other one? Twilight Struggle. That was that's a a, a good one too. A very popular board game as well. Like these are these are primo games, um, and that one's kind of like a battle against the. It's like during the Cold War, uh, the USSR versus United United States. And then this is where like the real deal is. Sixteen fifty. This price doesn't change. Sixteen fifty Canadian, right? So that's like twelve bucks US. Uh, you get a bunch of more expansions for Kakarsano and Mysterium, Small World, and Splendor. But then you also get Scythe Digital Edition and the Lord of the Rings Adventure Card Game. So Scythe alone is on Steam is like twenty two fifty Canadian. So if you are just buying that game itself, you're getting all of these other games. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good deal. So I broke down the total the total price of everything, all the expansions and and games. If you were to buy it on Steam in Canada, it'd be $180 and change. So for 16.50, you're getting a great deal. So I actually ended up buying that twice. So I got one for me. I got one for my girlfriend so that we can play online against each other. So that answers a very important question. You can't, because it's on Steam, you have to have the games in order to play with your friends. Opposed to Tabletopia where you just need, you don't even need to pay for the games. So there's actually this really cool thing that I discovered on Steam. I don't know when they implemented it, uh, but it's called Play Together Remotely. Uh, and it's kind of like, I wonder, let me just see if I, which one of these games supports it? Cross-platform, multiplayer, ooh, cross-platform, multiplayer. Uh, let's see. So play together remotely. It's kind of like a, they're streaming. Here we go. Remote play together. That's what it is. Remote play together is their way of having couch co-op on a non-online game, if that makes sense. Yeah. Now, all of these games are online, um, but you can also play re remote play together. So we could play uh, Scythe, and I could share the game with you. It essentially would stream the game to you. You don't have to own it. And you would see exactly what I'm seeing, and we would play the game together as if we were on the same computer. That's not bad. Uh, and like, there's a lot of games that support it. Portal 2, Left 4 Dead 2, um, a lot of board games. Monopoly, Moving Out, Ticket to Ride, Lara Croft and the Temple of Osiris. We should try this out sometime. Uh, Star Wars, Lego Star Wars, right? Like, So this is a, a cool option for... Uh, like people who don't, only want to buy the game once. Now, I can see where the problem comes in. 
uh, some of these games uh, that require like so it wouldn't really work for Averdell if we were sharing the same system only because uh, games that you have a secret hand of cards if we're sharing the same computer or if we're doing a remote play you're gonna see what I see when I'm playing and I'm gonna see what you see when you're playing right so it defeats that whole purpose the whole kind of secretive hand part unless you're like okay close your eyes um, but there, there are options out there but I uh, I bought two two packs of the uh, the Asmodee humble bundle because things like uh, Mysterium and whatnot I think playing these games being able to like be at your own computer and and play them and not have to worry about you know like losing internet connection your streaming quality and all this stuff blah 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 you know there's a I don't know and there's just something special about having your own copy of Scythe digital edition on your Steam library it does make it um, a very appealing thing to go for and like and the thing is it, it if if the price was like 30 bucks okay like don't get me wrong that's a great deal still for everything that you're getting but i think it wouldn't be as appealing um 16 bucks really when you think about it 16 bucks is like um the equivalent of going to get like a f meal somewhere right um but 30 bucks that's like okay that's like half a tank of gas <laughs> right so yeah. like, there's no, I get, no i get you i get you so that's why i was thinking you know I'll buy it twice. Why not? It's, it's it's the value that we're getting. Yeah, it's still paying thirty bucks, but now I can play it, no problem with my girlfriend. Right? If you get it, you can join us in, in the game. Uh, all that stuff. Like so, the the entrance fee or the what is it? Entrance fee? No, the cost of admission. <laughs> I don't know. Is is low enough that it's uh. It's appealing, and I think for people like so, if if uh, your girlfriend was not so um, into playing the whole tabletop, digital tabletop, right, where you have to kind of fiddle around with everything, maybe a game version of a tabletop game might appeal to her more, right? So, and I, I think that's where these th there's so many options out there right now, and I think this is a it's a booming time for the companies that make these, right? Because I think they, Tabletopia actually had to, they were working on a bunch of features and stuff like that, and they actually had to put them on uh, on hold because they were having so many new accounts made and so many people playing that they were actually having to deal with their servers because they didn't have enough server power or whatnot to host all the games. But I think uh, for, for people out there, are looking for some other things to do with their friends if you're sick of just having zoom meetings and drinking while watching each other you know check out things like tabletopia in the next i think like two weeks uh is when the humble bundle for the asmodee bundle ends so there's still some time to pick that up there's board game arena there's tabletop simulator you know there's a lot of options out there and i think it's um it, can you imagine if this whole coronavirus thing happened like five years ago? Yeah, we'd be uh, bored out of our minds. So you know we wouldn't. 
so I guess we should tell uh, our listeners and every everyone who does like tune in from time to time. We've started slowly integrating board games into our repertoire a little bit more. It's something that Dave is really passionate about. It's something that he's passing on to myself. I actually get in trouble on a regular basis for that. But but the biggest reason why we're doing it is because David also does a small broadcast every once in a while where he is doing um, board games, and we want to integrate that into um, our our own kind of way. So um, we want to eventually get into the 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 sorry, we want to eventually get into the the way of we might stream us playing a, a board game instead of a video game or do box openings stuff like that. So yeah, like there's a lot. Of, there's a whole new world. Yeah, it's, like, it's like not really old. new. Our parents played board games before we played board games. I don't know if my parents played board games. Every single parent <laughs> had the, the board game starter pack, which was Checkers, Trouble, and probably Monopoly or Clue. And yeah, that was just I, in their closet somewhere. We had, like, I think we had Scrabble. Oh, I had this one game. It was, like, shit, what was it called? Mastermind. Oh, that game's great because your parents were so way good. smarter than you, and they would just switch it around if you got that quick that all the time like anything made by milton bradley or hasbro in the 80s our parents probably owned yeah like, that's all your, there was, your right? battleships your boggles your yahtzees all that stuff what was that one? Oh, uh perf- was it perfection pop goes perfection yeah where you had all like the little pieces and you had to put them in the thing before the timer ran out or threw them everywhere now don't worry um we we are still gonna bring you guys gaming content um, the movie content is a little here or there. We want to bring in somebody when we are doing more movie stuff, just because there's quite a divide between myself and David when it comes to, um, certain passions of different types of films. Um, like I could rant for hours and hours and hours solely on Marvel, which was <laughs> a really big benefit of having Ty around when we were doing, um, the next episode. Yeah, and you also prefer your movies to have people with no clothes on. Uh, I believe they're called pornographies. Oh. They're not, those aren't <laughs> called movies. Um, but don't worry, because board games aren't just going to carry us to November. They're going to carry us through November. <laughs> yeah, because uh, uh, the freaking movie industry is going to shit. Yeah, we're actually... So, um, just a quick segue before we hit our next topic um my cable bill came back with some errors and i i got it all fixed up it was okay it was it was just something that didn't get credited correctly and i I was i i stayed pretty leveled on it because i know what's going on so i was like you know what it's cool whatever i'll pay it um they credited me with some free movies um opposed to like i could have got a bill credit or i could get the equivalent of that was like three movie rentals i was like i'll take the three movie rentals (laughs) Sure, why not? So we were like trying to figure out what we are going to watch tonight. We have no idea what even like was in theaters and what wasn't in theaters. We're so oblivious to anything that happened outside in the world. Even like going back to the summer. I think the last movie I saw in theaters might have been Spider-Man. Yeah, now that you th- say it, I don't really... I don't remember the last movie I saw in theaters. Yeah. It I, it, what? Oh, maybe it was Star Wars. You would have seen all the Star Wars in theaters. Yeah, maybe that was maybe that was it. I'll have to double check. Um, what's going on with uh, Universal? Um, 
it, it's hard to say at the moment because Universal is still um, there's the AMC boycott that's happening with Universal right now. The, do the people know what that is? I think we discussed it briefly. Um, I I don't want to. I don't think we did. The, the the news for it is pretty hit and miss. So give me a second. Let me uh, let me pull it up. So kind of like in a nutshell, what what there was that one? Oh, the Trolls movie. Yeah, and that Universal released on. They they're calling it like what premium, premium on demand. So on so demand. so the Coles notes is, and we did talk about this because remember I, I shared some data I found at my workplace. Um, the 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 long and short of it is AMC, not necessarily the rest of um, like Cineplex Canada doesn't really care too too much but some movie theaters were really really upset with the fact that trolls went straight to um home video um and rental options that way opposed to um it delaying their films like some big companies delayed fast and the furious nine like that got pushed back all the way a year wonder woman got pushed back quiet place Two. yeah that one that one got pushed back as well um, so like some really heavy hitting films got pushed back and Universal was just like, we are going to capitalize on parents sitting at home with their kids. And they released that thing on home video and it smashed. It was, I mean, it's it the first like, of its kind, but it, it like did over millions. 100, over a hundred million. In its first weekend. And that's at a $20 like rental. So you get that for 48 hours. Or I think the $20 got you 72 hours, depending on what company you rented it from. But if I remember correctly, because we are in Canada and most of our um, listening base is in Canada, you could have rented this film from the Cineplex site. You could rent Sonic from the Cineplex site, and that came out pretty quickly. Yes, but that one was in theaters for quite some time before... Uh, the world went to hell. Um, <laughs> think, the world went to hell. But I think like the the big thing is is that Universal they they, they made a st- statement saying that uh, they can see that there is a demand or they they see that there's a demand for their premium video on demand or whatever, um, and that they are in the future moving forward going to be releasing movies uh, at the same time in theaters as they are releasing them on home video rental. And AMC. sorry, I am corrected. Um, they do not. Um, Cineplex is not airing that movie, but you could rent the Joker for a dollar right now on oh, Cineplex go. website. So um, AMC is one of the largest uh, theater companies in the world. So they were all like, uh, no, you, no, you ain't universal. So their CEO or whatever made a statement saying that um, effective immediately, uh, which right now doesn't really matter because no movies theaters are open. Um, effective immediately, they are not showing any Universal produced films in any of their theaters, um, which is huge. Now, granted, things might be changing. They're probably in some like serious damage control Universal right now. Their press release statement afterwards was saying like oh yeah like we still think that like there's a viable option blah 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 blah, working between theaters and home video releases but this is a big deal right because um i think universal 
they see this huge jump. Like they made a shit ton of money on that movie. But the thing is, is they release it at a time when no one can go to the movies. Right. Very smart. Like, and like you said, their parents, like there's all these families at home with their kids and maybe their kids were super excited to see this movie in theaters. Well now they can't. So, Oh, well we can watch it at home. We can rent it. Like, you know what I mean? So that is why they are, they made so much money on it because no one, like there was no other options to see this movie. Right. Yeah, but like, but then also, sorry, you, you said that like Cineplex doesn't really matter, but the thing is, I think Cineplex, I, I don't know if they can really afford to not show movies or, or, ban or bar a, a production company from being shown in there because they are on real thin ice um, and there's actually a lot of speculation on whether or not Cineplex is going to survive after uh, once the world kind of comes back out of hell C- Cineplex was sold like shortly before I know they they weren't yeah, so they were they sold were to in, a UK company no 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 they were actually in negotiations and they were going to they were going to buy Cineplex but I'm I'm like 99 or 95% sure that they backed out of that deal. You're right. I see it here on Bloomberg. Cineplex deal under microscope at Cineworld halts dividends. Yes. And I think that was due to this whole coronavirus thing as well, right? Because why would a company buy a failing company or a company that's kind of like needs help right before or right as like the world economy essentially is shutting down? Jesus. It just doesn't make sense, right? Cineplex's gross debt is $625 million. Yeah. How, so- how did it get so big? Actually, I can tell you exactly how. Um, when you have a, a medium-sized city with a population of 250,000 people and you have three movie theaters and none of them sell out, that's your first problem. And I think also the movie industry is a big problem too, right? Like there's no... We could have a whole whole show just on on the problem with the movie industry, but there's every movie is either a, a direct sequel or a remake or a rehash, right, or a reboot. And Disney's not doing these companies any favors either. Like, there's no line to go see Mulan <laughs> because you can't no, see it anyways. No, but like, uh, don't get me wrong, and like this is this is where I think some people will stand. I'm not sure how many people will agree with me fully. Like, I want to so, like, you you never really know what you've got until it's gone. And, like, we don't take movies for granted. Like, Chris and I are very selective with what movies we spend our, our movie, or, or sorry, what money, what movies we choose to spend our money on. That was a hard sentence. I know. Um, <laughs> a lot of it has to do with the fact that, like, we know that's a $50 date night. 50 to $70 because you're buying two tickets and you're typically buying your movie in 3D. If you are going to a movie that... But- and the thing is, sorry to, to take over right now, that you're you're being forced to buy a movie in 3D. Well, not necessarily because there are options, but um, it's rare, right? Like in London, um, a lot of times they are only showing one non 3D version of the film. And your city has like four movie theaters. Yeah, that right? aren't like, that aren't Cineplex. We have there's there's two Cineplexes, one Landmark. So those are the the main theaters, and there's the Rainbow at the Galleria. Yes, um, but even Rainbow that or that is now what Imagine Cinemas, uh, and they are continuing on with like the whole premium seating and the 3D films because they upgraded all of their projectors and stuff like that. So really, like 
if we want to go to a movie, uh, it's tough to find one that is a non-3D film. So yeah, there you go. Like you're. you're Are you gonna let me go back on my tangent? Yeah, (laughs) your date night. So yeah, like there's that, and then like if we went to go see the Avengers, we had to see it opening night. I mean, we shouldn't. I shouldn't say we had to because I had to. Um, but then we paid the extra money for 40X. So that's two tickets at $25. So that's $50. And then you're looking at food because you can't go to a movie without having popcorn and pop because that's just the way it works. So now you're at like a $75 night just, just for a three hour movie experience. And you know what? That's great entertainment. That's something I looked forward to for 10 years. I didn't realize it, but I looked forward to it and I enjoyed the movie. And then, like, the one thing Chris has said, because we wanted to see... I wanted to see Spider-Man because it was kind of like the the, the the epilogue, right? Yeah. To the Avengers. And we were just so movied out after that. It was just like... Like, my sister wanted to go to a movie with us, and we were just like, can we just watch one at the house? We could yeah. pause it. We could kind of do what we want. So, like, with, with Angela and I, we would go to the movies maybe once, once or twice a month. Um... And mostly that's because like our, either our schedule didn't really work out to allow us to go in the evening or something like that, or there just wasn't anything that we wanted to see. Or by the time uh, we we had the time to go to see the movie, it was out of theaters. Um, but I was actually thinking the other day, I was like, you know, I, like I really wish I could just go to the movies. Right. That's you know, what like, we were talking about yesterday too. We have our we have a nice setup. I bought a oh yeah we got to do our I did a bad thing. <laughs> I bought a sound bar um which I've wanted for a while um but I I went and got a good one so I have a Dolby Atmos sound bar that does uh some pretty pretty good audio for just a a sound bar but anyway so I have like my home theater set up here but it's not the same you know like I'd like that experience of sitting in like the big comfy chairs with the big bag of popcorn and Seen, sit in front of this giant screen where it gets completely dark and you don't have to do anything. You don't have to worry about anything. But your neighbors banging on the walls or whatever. Um. But then, uh, what? what like, I, I lost my train of thought. Uh, your oh, neighbors. But, but then, but see, we're actually also very kind of. I wouldn't necessarily say cheap. But um, we started buying the movie tickets from Costco. Um, And I know not everyone has the opportunity to do that, but I bet most people know someone with a Costco membership. Um, And we actually go to, I'd say four out of five times, we'll go to Landmark. Uh, I like the chairs a little better. They're more wide and they're more comfy. Um, And... uh, the tickets that you can get from Costco, it's like a, a movie night out. So you get like two tickets, two medium popcorns, and two two medium drinks for 30 bucks, which is a great deal. Yeah, but uh, that like that's where the movie theaters are lo- <laughs> like losing money. Right, but th- the thing is, is like that's that's the, the deal for them. But you know what I was thinking with movie theaters all going to the pre-selected seats right there's no need to go and buy your ticket early get in line to get a good seat especially for can you imagine if uh endgame came out like five years ago when they didn't have the seat selection 
right? You, do you, do you remember the last movie? Up, the last movie I lined up for was that was uh, GA, like General Admission. What was the last movie? Was uh, Batman the third one, uh, Dark Knight Rises? Rises, something like that. Yeah. So the last one I think was General Admission for me was uh, Days of Future Past. So it was the opening night for that X Men movie. And yeah, I remember like going with some friends and then like the, the biggest ones I ever remember waiting in line for, like there was a lot in high school, but some of the most memorable ones for me was, um, Spider-Man two or oh, was it Spider-Man movie. three? It was Spider-Man three. Um, no, which one was the one with the, the Nickelback song in it? Spider-Man two, the one Spider-Man, Spider-Man two, not when he turns into Venom, but when he Spider-Man two. Doc Ock, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that one I was in line for, and that was a really memorable line experience because there was a lot going on. Uh, Revenge of the Sith was another one where I lined up with a bunch of people from school, and you like, our parents dropped us off at like six o'clock for a nine o'clock show, and you just chilled out in the line and you had fun, and it didn't matter if people were assholes and they spoiled it on their way out because everybody knew that Anakin was Darth Vader. Yeah, except for your girlfriend. Yeah, but that she figured that out in like Attack of the Clones, sort of. <laughs> oh, so, what I was saying though, I think that um, by implementing the pre-seat selection, it actually has affected the theater's bottom line. Because think about it: if you can not see what the seats are available, right before you go, you're going to go to the theater anyways because you're going to be like, okay, we got to get this. And then you get there and you're like, oh, there's only a few seats left. We got to get our ticket, get in line, and hopefully get something good. Or you get to the theater and you're like, oh, shit, it's sold out. While we're here, we're going to might as well watch something else. Now, if you, you, you're going to buy your tickets online and you see, oh, yeah, it's sold out. Or, oh, the only seats available are the, the very, very front row or this single one on the far left front. Right? And then you just don't go. You're like, okay, well, we'll just go another time. Yeah. I, You know what? They should do like old school theater for uh, – or like not not like a whole theater, but like a old school weekend where there's no seat select, pre-seat selection. <laughs> that would be cool. You know, you have to go in. You have to show up early. And now, now you don't even have to show up early, right? Because you're like, oh, well, the only, the only concern I have – is if some bimbo is sitting in my seat because they can't see that they are in section or row F and they're sitting in E. Idiots. (laughs) (laughs) You idiots. So I have... um, I'm just looking here at some fascinating numbers. There is, in my city alone... One, two, or like in my region, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight movie theaters. The The furthest two apart are 24 kilometers. There's one literally across the street from my house. Well, I mean across two streets, but I can see it. And it's magnificent. I can't wait to go to it because it's a VIP. Wait, there's eight theaters in your area? Yeah, I'm trying to figure out how to do a radius on Google, but I can only do measurements. <laughs> um... 
the the furthest one from my house would be um 12 kilometers one way or 18 kilometers the that doesn't make any sense it's 12 and 12 so i can get to any theater within 10 minutes <laughs> and, okay hold on this the market's There's, saturated and that's ridiculous so you're in your Kitchener area. Your Kitchener has a population of two hundred and forty thousand, roughly. Yeah. Right, and there is eight theaters in your your area. London has a population of roughly four hundred thousand, and there is like three main theaters. Like, yeah, that's why Cineplex is not making money. The the well, the, here's the other thing. Um, the so there's a VIP across from me, not to tell people exactly where I live. Um, you lived the, across the theater at your old apartment too. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Is uh, that like when you are looking for a place, like your next place? You're like, mm, how close is the nearest uh, movie cinema? Well, actually, the funniest part about it is like both malls that we live behind are also Fairviews. Figure that one out. Owned by the same company, one's at Cadillac Fairview and one or one's Fairview Park and one's Fairview Mall. Why don't you just tell everyone your address? I, I might as well. <laughs> I mean, um, so that's that's the Cineplex. Now down the street is a landmark. The next closest one is a landmark. There's a private theater downtown, um, which is called an, the Apollo Theater. Or Apollo Cinema. There's an Imagine Cinema is not that far away, and there's also a another private one where it's a little bit more intimate. You get to go see, like they only play one movie. It has more of that like old timey vibe. You go in, you can have a drink and stuff. But that's a lot of fucking movie theaters, man. Yeah, and like there's there are uh, there's I think one kind of old theater. In London, uh, I think, is it Highland Cinemas or something like that? I don't remember. I I, I, I try and block around. out most of my London life. Yeah, I do too, and I live here. Um, I think it's still around, but yeah, there's one that plays, you know, older films or whatnot. And then there's uh, the, the University Cinema, and they play uh, movies like two, three months after they uh, have come out of theater because they get some good deals on them. Uh, which I used to really enjoy going to that one. Uh, it, it's not a bad theater, if, especially if you miss miss seeing the movies in in the you know Cineplex or whatnot. Actually, that's where uh, Angela and I went and saw Endgame because she didn't see it in theaters with me, uh, so we saw it with. Oh fuck! That was the worst experience of my life. One thing that I love about theaters, though, is, is that. We go to the movies, like, super late, or generally, like, the last show, right? And the children aren't there. So when we went to see see Endgame, uh, there was, like, some – it was in the middle of the day in the summer, uh, and there was a family that took – like, brought, like, their two, three – or two or three kids. And literally the whole time, this kid's like, who's that? Who's that person? Oh, I would have – that would have drove me insane. Who's that? Is he dead? Like everything. And you know, like in, in Endgame, there's some scenes that are pretty, you know, like they're quiet, right? 
they're and you're just sitting there and you're just kind of basking in the emotion of the the, the, the scene yeah and then you hear is he dead <laughs> just like, you fucking kid shut up is that <laughs> and, heimdall and then and get this so then there's like these old people and one lady was fucking blowing her nose in the middle of the movie like it was like okay uh spoiler iron man died right and then you just hear i was like i was on the edge of my seat ready to just like stab everyone in the teeth like it was the worst that Uh, that i think was the other thing too like we oh what movie was it we saw power rangers and we actually asked the movie theater for a refund after we watched it not because it was bad because it was pretty bad but the people behind us wouldn't shut up and, like, there was maybe in the full theater 50 people. 200 foot or 200 seat auditorium, there was maybe 50 people, if that. That's probably generous. It was probably more close to 40. These yeah. people behind us had to sit right behind us. They could have sat anywhere in the goddamn theater. But the way I am is if it's general admission and I can get in there and I can't reserve the seat, I want to be as close to center within the, la- the last three rows but not the final row. I really don't like the light glow in the final row, and I like to be down one. So you, you know, what yeah, I mean. Like yeah. you, oh, I know. you yeah. don't have that trapment of sound. Yeah. And I remember these people just kicking the seats. They're like, "Oh, where's Tommy? Where's Tommy?" Like we're not watching the fucking 1992 Power Rangers here, dickheads. We're yeah. watching just Power Rangers or 1997 or whenever it came out. Something like that. Yeah. It was just it was so bloody ridiculous, and they wouldn't shut up. They were gross. You could smell their feet. Oh, yeah. I sat there. There was a one, and it was in the winter. This guy took his boots off, and the whole time, it was just like stank-ass gross feet. <laughs> I, I'm actually – I'm not afraid to tell people to shut the fuck up. I feel like this part of the episode, we're just both getting enraged <laughs> because of bad experiences, because of inconsiderate people. Um, no, I'm, I've told people to shut up many times before you know i'll give it the first you know few minutes of a movie you know uh for people to kind of calm down and get into it but if after like if the story starts and things are you know on their way to progress in this in the movie and you're still talking i'm gonna tell you to shut the fuck up um there is a one guy actually got really pissed off he he was sitting beside me and him and uh, him and his, I, I don't know, girlfriend, lady of the night, I don't know. Because uh, <laughs> uh, they, they were talking the whole time. He's, like, explaining everything to her. And I'm like, dude, like, she's watching the movie. I'm thinking, like, do you act, like do you do this in your day-to-day life? You explain everything to her? Just let her watch the fucking movie. So I told him. I was like, dude, like, you're really loud. And he's like, oh, sorry. And so then I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm – and then he – you can tell that he was, like, really pissed off because I called him out. And he's, like, one of these, like, douchey-looking dudes. Um, and he's like, uh, can you chew your popcorn quieter because it's really loud? And I'm like, okay, dude, calm down. And then his uh, girlfriend kind of, like, hit him and he calmed, calmed down. But it's just, like, that's the only time that I've actually had someone get – really offended that i told him to shut up they tried to rage quit in the movie and failed. 
it's just like yeah you know you're you're ruining the experience for every everyone you know what like probably my best movie <laughs> this we're all over the place my best movie experience though uh absolutely hands down was a quiet place See, I didn't get the opportunity to see it in theaters, oh. and I'm really upset. But um, number two, man, number two. What number two? Well, when number two comes out, I'll be really excited to see oh, it. Oh yeah, yeah. We I want we should see that one together. Um, that one was great because nobody really spoiled the movie. I didn't know anything going into the movie, and I saw it probably about two three weeks after it had released, so I still didn't really know anything about it. Um, I know that some people had said like it was they found it difficult to watch because it was actually essentially silent the entire time it, it was almost like a silent film almost mm-hmm. uh, but they did such a good job with that movie um, and making any sound cause anxiety almost like a panic just for the viewer because like you know what's going on but that movie not a single person said anything like once it started um and you could tell like and i felt the same way uh and i i heard some other people like as we were leaving didn't even want to eat our popcorn because you know when you're chewing a popcorn like you can hear it in your head like super loud but then it's like oh i don't know can other people hear this like is it as loud for them so like you could hear like little bits of like and then people would just stop because they're like, oh, yeah, I'm thinking like this popcorn's like way too loud. And then something happens, like loud noise. And then you could see like people like just stuffing their face with popcorn. But it was great because everyone was like so respectful of the film, right? Like, can you imagine going to that? Mo- I couldn't imagine going to that movie and having someone talk through it because it's so quiet that you could probably be like four or five rows in front of them. And if someone's whispering behind you, you know, if you could probably hear it. Yeah, we need people. We need more movies like that. Let's bring back the silent film era. I mean, there there are popcorn slippers. Like I know I've been like eating popcorn. I'm like, oh my god, can people hear me? Like I'm just, I'm starving. I'm probably ravaging like a coyote. I'm just like, let's yeah. go. <laughs> um, I love popcorn. <laughs> I gotta finish this one so I can get the refill before they close the concession stand. So, uh, really quickly. Uh, <laughs> Um, there was one topic I wanted to get to today, um, and then we will be recording, I believe, a separate review of the Inside Xbox for you guys, so it's not going to be cluttered with a bunch of randomness. It's going to be a dedicated Xbox episode. Speaking of Xbox, though, and speaking of getting really frustrated and mildly irritated and annoyed, David, the internet, my friend has just had a field day with Microsoft and Sony. Do you have any idea why? Do you remember, uh, have you seen what's been going on on the internet lately? Uh, Let me tell you. (laughs) There's so many things. What could it be? So what could Sony possibly do right now just to piss off their fans even more than not release or show any videos of upcoming games or The Last of Us stuff? They could um, say that Deadpool 3 is going to be a PlayStation exclusive. I mean, they could do that, but right now there's holdups with Marvel to even get that thing shot. Oh, right. Um, I mean, it is underway because Ryan Reynolds had confirmed that it and... 
They did agree that if Ryan Reynolds would censor himself, he might appear in an Avengers film. Who knows? But let, let, let me tell you what has happened in the last little bit. Okay. So, you know, with PlayStation and Xbox, they have two main, or we'll say three main components to each of their online services. With PlayStation Online, you get um, your, your free games every month, right? Uh, or sorry, that's if you subscribe to PS Plus, and they also have their their game uh, sharing ser- or not sharing service, game streaming service called PS Now, where you download the game, you play it until it's no longer available, you say ta-ta, bye-bye. Xbox has Xbox Live, Xbox Live Game Pass, and they have games with gold. Um, I know you like the games with gold a little bit more than I do because I don't like to download a lot of those indie games, and I really don't want to. Unless I was really interested in the game on 360, the odds of me re-downloading something that's from 360 is very low. So, Games with Gold this month. So I'm going to break this down to equal tiers, okay? So Games with Gold versus PS Plus. Games with Gold had V-Rally 4, and it's a it's a stepped um release. So it's only available for the for or V-Rally 4 is for the whole month. They have Sensible World of Soccer from the 1st to the 15th, and that was a 360 game. So it's available both on Virtual 360 and Xbox One. Um, Warhammer 40,000 Inquisitor, um, the Mater, was from May, or is available May 16th to June 15th. So that's a little bit of an extended release. Only on Xbox One. And then Overlord 2 is available from the 16th to the 31st on 360 and Xbox One. That seems like a fairly generous giveaway from Microsoft, wouldn't you think? Four games? Uh, well, Microsoft has always done four games throughout the month. Yeah. Uh, but I would say that this month is a pretty solid lineup. Now, for PS Plus members, <laughs> <laughs> this is where things got funny. They got City Skylines, which is a phenomenal game, best played on PC, and Xbox users were very quick to point out to the PlayStation community that they've had it for about eight months on Game Pass. <laughs> and Farming Simulator 19. Now, don't get me wrong, getting the rights to both uh, Farming Simulator 19 and City Skylines forever just to download because you're using the PS Plus service. It's a pretty good deal. Even if you let your PS Plus expire, you still get to keep those games. No, you don't. Never mind you don't. I thought you did. <laughs> no, you don't. It, it's like games with gold, you know. Like once your once your subscription to Xbox Live ends, you can't play the uh, the games with gold. Either way, <laughs> either like so that that's a misstep on mine. That's that's my yeah, bad. That's that's okay. For witty and slip, um, people are just fucking furious. They're like, oh, Microsoft is giving away all these old games that people want to play. And you're giving us fucking City Skylines and Farming Simulator 19. And I know you and I talked about it. And we're like, I'd take Farming Simulator 19. I, I've, I've dabbled on it a little bit. Like it's, And the funny thing is, is Farming Sim has is a, been a game, I think it was free on uh, Epic's Game Store, I want to say like three or four months ago. And it's been part of uh, Xbox Game Pass for quite some time as well. So... So... I'm glad you brought up Xbox Game Pass. Um, these are just some of the titles that are leaving in May. Now, I want to I do this this way because I think it's funnier. 
Um, so Grand Theft Auto Five has been on Game Pass for the last six months. Really popular game. It left May seventh. R.I.P. Especially if you were going to get that free 500k. Um, they're also losing titles like Black Desert, Doom, uh, Lego Ninja Go Movie Video Game, Mega Man Legacy Collection 2, Metal Gear Survive, um, The Banner Saga, and Wolfenstein 2, The New Colossus. Metal Gear Survive was the prequel, right? To Metal Gear Solid Fan... Or was that Phantom Pain? Uh, no, Phantom Pain was... Uh the prequel thing metal gear survive was like some weird shitty game that kenobi made after kojima left what was the last one called then oh the phantom pain and ground ground zeros was a prequel yeah ground zeros that's right and then phantom pain was the actual game yeah that sounds like a like a pretty devastating blow to the game pass lineup don't you think i mean that's losing a lot of good content it's blue yeah like what's bigger than a triple a title Grand Theft Auto. A quadruple A title. I mean, that's like Grand Theft Auto is an elite company when it comes or, to video games. Or would it be like a triple A title of equivalency? Yeah, I guess. Like, there's there's nothing bigger. Like, that when you're talking Grand Theft Auto, you're talking like one of the biggest games and franchises on the planet. What if we were to like, what if there was like a game like Grand Theft Auto, but like older? Not like older in release, but like older in like no cars like are, like are you talking like western times because my friend I was actually thinking medieval times but yeah western works uh i've got some news for you um oh, oh really <laughs> yes my good man take my knife pen um no microsoft is like you know what sorry about uh grand theft auto but rockstar wants to kick it up a notch Here's Red Dead 2. Boom. Not only that, they, re, uh, they released, at the beginning of May, Daisy, Final Fantasy IX, and Fractured Minds. Do you know how many people went nuts for Final Fantasy IX? Yeah, I bought that on Switch, like, a while ago. I was like, shit, now I don't want to play it on Switch. Actually, I hadn't even started it. But... Then uh, then Sony comes out, and they're like, hi, guys. I'm, I want to be at the party, too. Give me a... Sp- Give me a spot at the table. And they're like, okay, Sony, what do you got? And they're like, get even. The, the evil within two. And we've got this game. It's five versus five. It's an online phenomenon. Rainbow Six Siege. And then they ran away really quickly. And everybody was like, fuck you, Sony. Just fuck you. Rainbow Six Siege is a five-year-old game. It's still very popular. But it, it also doesn't have so the, the the ones that Microsoft released have like a wide appeal. You know what I mean? Like people are interested in that stuff. But Siege you're 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 either you're obsessed with it or you're not. Yeah, you're marketing a very like select type of gamer. Because Siege isn't like a run and gun shooter like Call of Duty and stuff like that. And I know people who have played Call of Duty and love those games, and they hate Siege because you can't run and gun. Um, it's not as fast-paced. It's very, it's a lot more strategic. Um, and yeah, like it, that is an old game. It's still very good, but it's old. So it's like I think the people that are playing it still are the ones that are like the diehard fans that are good. So there's no point in starting now because you're just gonna get your ass kicked every time. 
So that makes me wonder. The Evil Within 2 came out in 2017. That's not too old. No, and Evil Within 2 is a is a a, a very good game. But but it's also been on sale for like I I bought the physical copy of that game for like $7. Get Even 2 is also from 2017. I don't even know what that game is. Um, Get Even is a first-person shooter, psychological thriller video game, um, developed by Farm 51 and published by Bandai Namco. That's all it says. Oh, that looks interesting. Well, it's free if you have a PlayStation Now, but why if you could just play Red Dead 2 again? And that's the funniest part about the whole thing. Like, the community was already so fired up at the fact that they were like all right so we just got screwed with playstation plus and now look at what you're doing so great oh their uh game pass also on pc is bringing halo 2 which is cool oh yeah and game pass on pc just recently now this isn't like just brand new i think this is what like a very end of April, like the last, so like a week ago, Gears Tactics, which is the new Gears game, uh, kind of like, ex- like, but it's all tactic, tactical based, like XCOM. It's like Halo Wars, right? But Gears. Uh, I would say it's more like XCOM. Okay. Less Halo Wars. Halo Wars is like a weird type of real time strategy type thing, but no, yeah, Halo Wars is more of a real time strategy. Uh, Gears Tactics is a turn based strategy. Uh, but yeah, that is a brand new game that just came out. It's PC only, but they release it on Game Pass for PC. So like, if you are a PC gamer as well as an Xbox gamer, and you have Game Pass Ultimate, like you are getting like the best of the best right now. And I, I've played Gears Tactics for a little bit. Uh, I'm actually quite impressed with it. It's a lot of fun. So, I guess my question for you is then... Like, you use your PlayStation more than I do. I don't think that's even deniable. Uh, no, that is that is true. Yeah. like I, I use my PlayStation more than you use my PlayStation. Yes, that's very true. And <laughs> I use my Xbox probably more than you use your Xbox. Uh, yes. Like, unequivocally. And it's fine. We we have our preferences for our styles of games and when we want to play, but we do play other games as well. I think I think the reason why I've been using my... my and I go in, like, these... Uh, waves no these what's it called yeah periods sessions stuff like that where like i'll play one console more than and like not touch the other one and then i'll start playing stuff on the other one and i I just like right now all the games that i am playing through are playstation only right like final fantasy 7 remake uh nino kuni 2 and a few other games that i've actually bought on playstation uh but anyways you were saying um when when we look at this situation as a whole, it's it's hard not to laugh. But do you think a there's becoming less of a value for PlayStation Now owners versus Xbox Game Pass owners? And do you think these kind of decisions are gonna hurt the new systems going forward? Because I think with Game Pass, especially with the added features of like smart delivery titles, which we'll get into in our special Xbox episode. That plus the fact that 
they're going to be delivering almost every first party game on Game Pass immediately. Versus PlayStation Now where you might see oh I don't know what their their big reveal is going to be. Maybe they'll have like an uncharted nobody knows about. But we'll we'll say hypothetically um The Last of Us gets dropped on PlayStation 5. And oh, that 100% will be. But they're they're claiming right now it won't. But let's say oh, they yeah, do yeah. do it. Okay. They'll probably do like you know what they're going to do? They're going to do like that upgrade, free upgrade. Yeah. But hypothetically speaking Anyways. right now they do that, and they they make that a launch title on PlayStation now, because Xbox has been doing it so frequently. Is that enough to help save that player base, or are more people gonna come come out of this or come into this next generation? And be like, you know what? I can spend four hundred ninety nine dollars on the console, or the rumored four ninety nine on this console, and then I can spend one hundred fifty dollars a year, ish. I think, or what is it? Fifty dollars for six months? Uh, no, fifty dollars for, for three months. It's one hundred and fifty for the year. For PlayStation? No, for game, sorry, for game, game Pass. Plus. Yeah. Yeah, it's like sixty bucks for. You only save if you buy the year, essentially. Yeah. So you could be like, okay, so I bought the console for four ninety nine, and then I bought access to seven hundred games for a hundred and fifty extra dollars. Knowing full well that Forza's going to drop day one, Halo's going to drop day one, there's a new Gears game, it's going to drop day one, anything, first party will drop day one. That, to me, is going to be the biggest impactor to this generation going forward. And especially with the distaste and dissatisfaction by gamers right now, especially in the PlayStation community and how they're being quote-unquote treated with their quote-unquote free content like you like there's an entitlement issue for sure but microsoft um users are being treated very well because they're spending the money to keep this product and make this product better i remember when game pass first came out we were all like oh god i don't know if this is gonna work everybody got the trial i let mine expire and then i waited till it went on sale again but, like, it's not for everyone, and that's totally fine. But the fact that I have, I would say 50% of the stuff loaded on my Xbox right now is not on disc. It's all just digital from that server. Like, I have Two Point Hospital loaded up. I have Outer Worlds loaded up. I had Grand Theft Auto without the disc, which was great. But now I can just play Red Dead without the disc, and that's perfectly fine as well. PUBG, if I want to play it, my like my I have the rights to the game. So it's there as well. Um, and you don't have to reinstall it, which is great if you have the the save file for at least PUBG, because I don't have it on installed, but it works, which I found really interesting. Um, Rocket League's there, which is another really popular one. And I'm trying to think of the other one that I just downloaded. Oh, you can buy, what is that, Moving Out? You got that on launch. Oh, really? It's on there? Yeah, I'm pretty oh, sure yeah. I loaded it from Game Pass. Oh, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Um the you you had mentioned that uh it's going to affect physical game sales or just game sales in general for the playstation or the series x launch um but it it already has um game sales has dropped like physical from stores have actually dropped significantly um with and this is in conjunction with digital games 
but uh, Game Pass with with all the new first party Microsoft games or or games that are from a second party developer, so companies that are making games exclusively for uh, the Xbox, um, people aren't buying them uh, if they're dropping on Game Pass. Uh, I know I can't think the last time that I bought a game on Xbox um, that you like really really wanted. Because Game Pass pretty yeah, much like, has everything, right? Well, and that's the thing. Is like, I think most games that I purchased, the last game that I actually bought physically was the deluxe edition of Anthem, and that's because I saw it on clearance for 10 bucks. And I also got that in uh, anticipation of the future update where they're revamping the entire game. Um, but still, that's the last time I bought something. Any other game that has come out on launch that I wanted to play, I got off Game Pass. And yeah, like it's it's an added you know 150 bucks for the year, but it's totally worth it. Yeah, just like additionally, I remember the- sitting there struggling about thinking about, like I was like, oh, should I buy NBA 2K? Like I'm just bored. I want to buy. And then Game Pass just magically had it. I don't know if my Amazon or my Google Home was listening and sent a message to to Xbox being like, hey, this guy wants to ship for free. But like the 2K game. And this is widely regarded by a lot of sports games fans. NBA 2K is probably one of the best sports sims out there next to the show. It's very interactive. You have the ability to, like, manipulate your team completely. Like, there's modes for everybody. Just looking down the list also, you can get the whole Master Chief collection. Just because. Sea of Thieves still very popular. Forza's out there. Gears 5 Ultimate Edition, Jump Force, Pez 2020, like lots of stuff just here. Just available to you to One have. One thing that uh, you, had, you had mentioned that I wish Sony would figure out is that uh, if you have a game that you own physically and it comes out on Game Pass or it comes out on um, Xbox Live Gold, like the free games... Uh, you don't need to reinstall the game. You don't need to uninstall the game that you have just to re-download the digital one. It just works. You know, like the licenses on your, your system. The game files themselves are the exact same. Sony, so I I, I got a, uh, a year subscription to PlayStation Now for, it was like 50 bucks. Um, they had it on sale. So I figured, like, why not, right? Um, so Spider-Man was one of the games that is on Game Pass, or not Game Pass, PlayStation Now for the next uh, two months or whatever. I have the game physical. The game is installed on my system. I cannot start the game through PlayStation Now because it tries to load the game and then it says that I need to put the disc in. So I have to, and I'm going to assume that this will work, I haven't actually done it because I don't care that much, but I essentially have to delete the game off of my system and then re-download it through PlayStation Now just to be able to play it. And then if I try and play that game with the disc, it won't work. It'll make me reinstall it again. Yeah, that is a that is a huge pain in the ass. And especially it's like, am I gonna waste my time doing that? No, because I would rather just play something else that I already have on my system. It's it's one of those like it's it's a very frustrating situation and 
it's it's like I don't know why they're not learning from their mistakes, but they continually well, make the same mistake. We had mentioned this in our last episode. Sony started off this generation uh, king of the hill, and I think they ha- are still in that mindset that they are the ultimate. They they know what gamers want, right? Uh, but they, I think they have become blinded by their early success. Um, and yes, the PlayStation Four uh, has sold more units than the Xbox, um, and I think in part of that is because of some of the exclusives that have come out on that system. But then also, I think that Sony has really pushed their the PS Four bundles and stuff like that during the holiday seasons. Um, but they are not doing anything to fix the problems that have been there since day one. You know, like. Uh, they, they slowly slowly implement new things but then it almost seems as if like once they they fix something or change something or give something to the, the people the next month they, they're like oh yeah here you go you get farming simulator 19 <laughs> right and it's just like okay you guys were and and i think a big reason why people were pissed so pissed off about farming simulator and um city skylines is that the the rumored like there's a leak of what were the, the potential games um uh dead souls remastered and dying light right mm-hmm. so it's like okay there's all this hype and then they, they didn't even give anything like the equivalent of it right and clearly like there was this decision was made months in advance so like where that picture came from who knows but it's just like sony come on like you you did good with giving uh, away free forever uh, the Uncharted collection and journey. Like, you didn't need a PlayStation Plus membership that's not linked to that. You got the game free. It's on your account. It's as if you purchased it, right? Uh, so they did good with that, and then, like, they turn around and are like, oh, okay, there you go. That's We we did our good for you guys now. Here's Farm. No, here's City Skylines the console edition it came from five years ago it's such a good game but like console is, is very very hard yeah um I, I i don't know like the to answer your question because like i wrote it down and like i put my pen on it the last two games i bought physical were nhl 20 and well because a leaf was on the front i probably wasn't going to buy it otherwise and i bought modern warfare and I bought Modern Warfare because people told me to buy Modern Warfare. I don't regret it. I really enjoy the game because it's not that jetpacky bullshit. But, yeah, those were the last two games I bought. And, like, I've been struggling to buy Madden. And then I realized I pay five ninety nine for EA Access. And I could just have Madden for free. I forgot about that because I have it. But I forgot how to have it. Because <laughs> I was like, what? five ninety nine on my credit card? What the hell is this? And then it mm-hmm. turns out that I just had it. I was like, oh, damn, I could just get it for free. The physical copy would have been cool, but I could have just got it for free. Yeah. So that is that. I don't, I don't know. Was there anything else you wanted to cover today, or do you think we've uh, we've kind of burned the lead on everything else? <laughs> we pretty much uh, did not really cover anything that we actually were planning on covering today. It's been a great show. Let me ask you this then before before we go, um, because you guys should look forward to it. This is a two episode week. We will do this uh, the Xbox stuff. It is very important. We just knew we we couldn't fit it into to this delivery. Um, 
what are you gonna play this week? What what's something that you should uh, that I should play, or what's something that you're picking up that maybe people should consider? You know what? I'm I'm going to be playing Scythe Digital Edition because I got the Asmodee Humble Bundle. I've wanted to play Scythe for so long, I just can't justify buying it. Actually, I'm not allowed to buy board games for a while. Uh, Says so, the guy who bought two digital versions of board games. Yeah, but these these don't take up space Fair. on the shelf, right? Uh, so I'm going to be playing that, um, and I feel like you should buy the bundle so we can play against each other. That just seems like another thing I'll be playing this week. Um, I'll, I'll be playing a little bit more Warzone, but everybody already plays Warzone. Um, the Not other, me. You mean what? I don't. I don't play Warzone. I mean, you could. I could. I installed it, but I just haven't really started it. I've asked you to play with me. I know. Um, and then instead of playing, I'm actually gonna be. I'm gonna try and do the entire um, Last Dance documentary. Um. On Netflix. Oh, yeah, that's the NBA one, right? That's the Michael Jordan one, yeah. I, yeah, I, that's uh, pretty pretty intense because Michael Jordan has pretty much never it, – it'll explain it, but he doesn't uh, – yeah. I, I, like I was <laughs> waiting for time to consume it, and now I have some. So Yeah, he, and the fact that they have footage of him and all of this stuff, and like he op- he's opened up and explaining everything because uh, it's pretty much a documentary about how he uh, – did not let the industry control him in a nutshell. Yeah, he controlled the industry. Yeah, I'm 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 not even a basketball fan and I I want to see that. Yeah. So like I uh, I plan on watching that and uh the other nugget that uh, I'll give you uh, the we started watching it this week. Um we've only done I want to say an episode. We might be on two. No, we've only finished one. It is the 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 series on Disney Plus called prop culture the reason we started watching it believe it or not was because we heard uh, or somebody tweeted that that show confirmed uh, a long-standing myth at disneyland that the dead man's chest in the pirates of the caribbean ride was actually the prop from the film so what prop culture does is it's this guy who works um, with the disney's artifacts and he's like hunting for parts of the artifacts from different films and the first episode is Mary Poppins. And, like, you you learn in that episode, and if you've watched, like, Imagineering, um, that documentary, um, it's only, like, four episodes, and I think Viola Davis is the, uh, the narrator. But if you watch this documentary, you learn that there was only one um, snow globe from the original Mary Poppins, and mm-hmm. some janitor took it <laughs> and put it in, like, a closet because he thought it was cool. Um, it got restored and was put on this piano in Walt's office. Walt Disney's office has been completely restored um, to its original state while he was still alive. And there's only one person who's allowed to play the piano, and that was the same guy who worked with Walt many years ago. Um, you see the um, from the carousel, um, the one Mary Poppins, or not Mary Poppins, holy shit. It is Mary Poppins, yeah? Is that what I just I, said? I think it's Sherry Bobbins. Sherry Bobbins. Yeah, so like you see Julie Andrews' horse um, from the carousel, and then you also see Dick Van Dyke's horse, and it's all like beaten up because somebody had it. And then the Mary Poppins one was like saved from 
the Disney artifacts and like put away nicely and preserved. Um, and then like one of the actors who played the little Judy Banks girl, um, hat, like kept one of the hats from her props and the guy like brought out her coat. It was a really touching moment, but it, it's something really fascinating. If you like the way movies are made or you're fascinated or interested in props and like these people that collect them. Um, it even shows this guy who's a prop builder and had to replicate that snow globe for the new film. So I think it's really, really cool and fascinating, and it's definitely something you should check out. Uh, there's also a, uh, a docu-series that is being released on a weekly basis about the making of Mandalorian. Yes, I saw that. Um, it's like it's kind of like a behind-the-scenes table read yeah. thingy. Yeah, I watched the first episode uh, last week. I guess there's a new one out now, but uh, they kind of were talking about each director and, and how kind of where they came from and their experience on the films and stuff like that. And um, Actually, there was big news. Uh, what's his name? Tiki Malaka, I don't know. Tiki Wakiti? Tiki Wakiti has been confirmed to be making a Star Wars movie. But there's also, I was just reading this and I wanted to save it for a day where you were less angry about stuff. Um, how do you feel about the um, presumed civil war for the state of Star Wars? Uh, what do you mean by presumed civil war? So there is... Hold on, let me see if I can pull it real quick because I remember where Dave I saw Fellini it. Dave has made a single-handedly... Well, not single-handedly, but made uh, the final season of Star Wars Clone Wars better than the entire sequel trilogy. <laughs> I, I finally showed um, Chris and Natalie's rap too. It's like, say oh, yeah. something but the motherfucking sequel, bitch. <laughs> Yeah. Say something bad about Jaja Binks. <laughs> it's so funny and so yeah. bad. Um, yeah, so there there is a power struggle at Lucasfilm for what direction the Star Wars franchise should go. Yeah, and there's been a power struggle for what direction the Star Wars franchise should go since Disney bought Lucasfilm. But like, where like what storyline could you kind of follow or? Do you create a new storyline? So here's the problem, and this is this is gonna turn into a thing. So before, when Disney bought Star or Lucas Lucas Film, there was hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of Star Wars stories that were legitimate and canon. That many of which George Lucas um, either had some influence on or approved. Uh, like even games. Uh, like uh, Knights of the Old Republic, like LucasArts and Bioware work together. Like that L- games, I think any game that LucasArts has worked on, that's a Star Wars game, is canon, right? The Jedi Knight games, all that stuff. But then when Disney bought them, they were like, oh, the only thing that is canon is the uh, main movies, uh, the Star Wars Clone Wars 3D animated series, because there's a like a 2D animated one which wasn't very good. Um, Star Wars Rebels and um, Star Wars Resistance and any movies and stuff that that, that they make. And I know that um, what's her name? The one that ruined everything. Um, the Ray? Kathleen Kennedy. She said in a statement that there's like, it's difficult to write stories for Star Wars because there's no it's not like there's any um, resources or references that they can use. And it's just like... N- 
there's tons of stuff, but they just are, they're just kind of picking and choosing what they want to bring back into canon. And that's why, you know, characters like Revan and uh, Darth Revan from the um, Knights of the Republic, you know, like they're slowly bringing these characters back. And I think because Disney doesn't have the ideas, like uh, they need to have the people who are, the diehard fans who like live and breathe star wars who know the history and like know how these characters would you know live uh and they need to be in charge and work on this stuff um i didn't even know like i knew that george lucas was a consultant with some stuff for mandalorian but if you watch the uh documentary the first episode there's a lot of footage where he's like just sitting on set as like beside the director's uh, as like an executive producer or whatnot. Like, yeah, the, like uh, I just read a quote here saying Disney Plus uh, um, stated that Bob Iger was giving creative suggestions for and taking notes on every episode. However, full creative control was given to John Favreau. Um, Disney has had a lot of success with John Favreau, even in like the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and the fact that like he endorsed Tika is really cool. Yeah, because he makes some weird movies, right? Like, uh, but uh, did you see Jojo Rabbit? No, not yet. Oh, great movie, right? But that was one of his movies. It's not like something that you, you wouldn't think that a director who did that movie, and he also did uh, a really good one from a long time ago. Uh, was it like Things We Do in the Shadows or What We Do in the Shadows or whatnot? Um, but he's not a, a conventional action movie director, right? Like, he's very comedic. He's a funny guy in himself, right? Um but you, you really got to watch the documentary, like the docuseries. Um, John Favreau, like, really lets the directors take control and put their, um, their like, spin and their talents to, to, to work. Um, I, the, who's the one girl who's the, the, the girl in Jurassic Park? The Ooh. redhead one. Oh, She's, um, um uh, Bryce Dallas Howard. Yeah, I don't like her. I don't think she, I don't like her as a person. <laughs> I don't know her, but I just don't like her. What did she do to and, you? I don't know. I just I don't know. I think she's got this like mentality like my dad's a famous director, so now that's how I became famous too. Well, I mean, um, that did definitely help her. Yeah. Um and like starring like, alongside Chris Pratt really helps her. Yeah. And so like she directed one of the episodes of uh Mandalorian. Um and which I think was actually one of the weakest episodes, but uh, that's my opinion. Not that I have anything against female directors. I just don't like her, uh, and I didn't like that episode. Anyways, um, but it, the the docu series really shows that John Favreau like just brought on this team of people and let them do their thing, put their spin on uh, the Mandalorian while keeping them kind of grounded in the 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 Star Wars universe, like letting people put their talents to good use whereas i think with the problem with a lot of the movies is that they were so kind of controlled by um there there's a lot of talks about how they were controlled by um kathleen kennedy how she wanted things a certain way or the directors just kind of like did whatever they wanted and didn't really discuss with or like consult like the people that know best uh, it just turned into a big clusterfuck of stuff. So, 
yeah, is there a civil war going on between Star Wars? You know what? They should make a civil war movie about in Star Wars. Oh wait, there has been, and they ruined it. <laughs> I mean, they could. They could, I don't know. They're not going to remake it. The Skywalker saga has been closed, but, and I think the Mandalorian is really taking shape with like, the bounty hunters and Boba Fett's yeah. going to have more predominant role, which is. Yeah, apparently, uh, there's rumors that the guy I forget his name, uh, he played uh, Jango Fett. Jango Fett. Yeah, he's going to play Boba Fett in uh, the Mandalorian, and um, what else did I hear? Oh yes. This is a big one. There's rumors that Hayden Christensen is going to reprise his role as Anakin Skywalker. In from what appears to be flashback sequences and the relationship between himself and Obi Wan, because you're yes. like you, you can't turn back the clock either. No, you can't. Which no, is but, really weird. So I don't know how they're going to do that. But still, like it, it, it'll be interesting to see him on the uh, back in Star Wars. I would love a Darth Vader film. You know what? Like, I wish... The thing is, is, like, Ewan McGregor, if he grows his beard out and uh, his long Obi-Wan Kenobi hair again, like, he still looks pretty much like how he did back in, like, 2005. Hayden Christensen got a little older and wrinklier. But I feel like they could do a uh, Obi-Wan and Anakin uh, movie or, or... miniseries if they, like if they were to it it would have to be like a buddy cop but like it'd be it'd be interesting the only the, there'd but be the, like that then they have the clone wars and that's kind of explains all that stuff there there is three star wars films i'd like to see and i think this is where we're gonna end um if you if you have three that you'd like to see awesome great let me know there's three i would like to see I would like to see a film that is in between three and four that isn't Rogue One, but it's more about Obi-Wan going kind of in like off the grid and Darth Vader taking over power and building the Death Star, opposed to just being on the Death Star when four starts. Um, number two, I would love to see like an early Jedi Council movie where you could even call it the Jedi Council. Disney, listen up. But you can actually see a young Yoda come to learning his great Jedi powers. Um, on a side note to my last movie that I was just talking about, there's no way you could have a young Ian McDermott or a younger Ian McDermott, so that would be very hard to do as well. Mm. Um, we don't even know if he's like the Count or the Emperor or whatever the hell he is at that point of the, th- the thing. The Councilman. Um, and yeah, so like, I'd love to see a Yoda origin story and maybe that's what the child is kind of building up to. We don't know because the Mandalorian's like, it's the same species, but that's it. Yeah. Cause Yoda's species has never been and, stated. But now that we know Jango Fett is going to be in there as well, like Yoda's still old as hell at that point. So I would love to see a Yoda movie and I would also like to see a Mace Windu movie. Yeah. Because I like, like to see. He, he goes on well sorry just to finish that thought he goes on like this mad power trip in Attack of the Clones and in Revenge of the Sith and I get that he is one of the leaders of the Jedi Council but he just he becomes like a met role in Phantom Menace and then all of a sudden he's a predominant Jedi and he's like he even overshadows some of the other Jedis that are part of the Council so I thought that would be really cool to kind of see like Maybe uh, young Yoda and Mace 
film. That could be a cool movie. Maybe. Uh, I would want to see a like a Empire War film. Like Darth Vader, you know how not like a like I literally want to see a movie where like the Empire is just sweeping through the galaxy, just clearing off uh, and destroying the Jedi stragglers. So it'd be like a Venom movie, but in this case, it would be. Yeah, but I want to see like nitty gritty, like you know, like that last like scene in Rogue One, where he's just like total badass, destroying people in that hallway. Uh. Well, yeah, but would you also want it to be kind of like how, what was it, Order 66? Like, all of a sudden, the Jedis are just all turned on and all the clones are activated? Yeah, but, like, I want to see, like, him, like, kind of hunting down the last of the Jedi. And, like, I want, like, it would be cool to see some, like, sweet lightsaber battles between, like, Vader and, like, Jedi that are hiding out. That'd be cool. Because the thing is, is, like, you, you, you could make anything from that right like you don't even need any like you just need a six or seven you need a seven foot tall actor to wear the darth vader suit yeah it will also be kind of cool to see like a wookie movie because like you remember you remember when uh what is it at the end of revenge of the sith where yoda says goodbye to chewbacca and you're like holy fuck yoda knew chewbacca like that was mind-blowing when i was like younger i was like oh my god they knew each other but then it's kind of like stupid that uh Han Solo doesn't believe in any of the Jedi stuff because Chewbacca would have told him that. He's like, yeah, fuck you, dude. It's all real. I saw it. I was there at the Battle of Kashyyyk. Idiot. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but you know what I mean? Like, that yeah. would be kind of cool. Like, maybe yeah. maybe Yoda trained with the Wookiees. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, and I would love to see a uh, like an old Republic film. So kind of like your idea, you know the jedi council but i would say more of like before that so like the old republic um the sith were a very prominent figure um in that so i think it would be cool to see kind of a sith versus jedi where there was more than just one sith Uh, but I, i don't really think i could like a third movie i don't know there's 18 years between uh episode three and episode four so there's pretty much endless possibilities of what could go on yeah i found a really good timeline i don't remember if i uh took a picture of it but i would really like you'd be impossible to make now um but there's a whole series of books and video games if you remember uh rogue squadron yep uh so during it took place uh during and after or sorry after a new hope and then throughout uh, the time between A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back and um, that third one. Well, a Return of the Jedi. A New Hope uh, is where, considered the the timeline, right? And everything is yeah, yeah. pre or post. So uh, Rogue, the Rogue series, Rogue Squadron, kind of that's Luke and all of their ex- escapades. I would love to see like a Top Gun style Star Wars movie. But who could it star? Because you can't... Like, do you go back and find another, like, do you do it more about, like, Luke Skywalker and you recast Luke and Leia to be younger and see how that goes? Because that's the storyline you want. Yeah, I would do, like, I I would be okay with, like, Biggs or Wedge, uh, which were not, like, super prominent characters. So I feel like you could get people who looked similar. 
um, and it wouldn't take away from the fact that it's not like you know remember that all of the chaos that happened when they made the Han Solo movie and they cast someone that looked no one nothing like Harrison Ford didn't talk anything like Harrison Ford all that stuff so you couldn't like recast like prominent characters because Disney made that mistake once but they could recast uh, like Wedge or Biggs um, and and have like some sort of like space rogue squadron movie which would be pretty cool if we've learned anything from Hollywood they can do anything because didn't they make the human torch in the Fantastic Four black like they cast yeah. Michael B. Jordan. Oh yeah, that's right. And it was like Chris Evans before that. And they're two very different actors. <laughs> that's true. Um, I don't know. Like the there's some storylines in Star Wars where you feel as if the universe has revolved around the Skywalker family so much that mm-hmm. you need that. Like even like this might be kind of interesting as well. Um what if you had I can't remember the guy's name is who took um who took Leia it's uh I forget his name now it's Amy Santiago's dad in Brooklyn Nine-Nine shit I'm having a huge brain fart yeah me too and it's really bugging me he's like the everyone knows who we're talking about though yeah so what if we had that story like, you could have a Leia franchise. Why not? Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. I do I do know Hollywood is very skeptical right now on... Oh, it's Organa. Oh, yeah. Um, Hollywood's very skeptical on, like, some of these, like, female super leads. Like, because Charlie's Angels didn't work out the way it should have. Which makes no sense because Charlie's Angels was always three women and a speaker box. But they made Bosley a woman and people got upset. Maybe because that movie didn't need a remake. I mean, you could have just had another Charlie's Angels. Not a remake, another Charlie's Angels. Right. Like, you could just continue the story with New Angels. That's what they did in the 70s, 90s, 2000s. That's the whole idea. James Bond has been doing that every three movies. And, like, the Farrah Fawcett ones and the Cameron Diaz ones. You could have just graduated it. And, like, they even make, um, uh, what is it, Full Throttle? They bring Demi Moore in, who I believe participated in some of the TV show. So, like, they could have done that kind of thing. Hear me out. What if they did, uh, like, you'd have to find a body composition and face composition that's similar to both Carrie Fisher and Natalie Portman because you got to find, like, that mother to what Leia became. But you would assume Leia was probably in her 20s, 30s, right? Like, hypothetically, like, when... when? In A New Hope. Like, she was... She's a, she, no, it's 18. She was 18? It's 18 years later, roughly. Oh, well, the, the, the way she looks doesn't... You're, you're totally right, and I'm slipping on time, because we've also been doing this for two hours. Um, but why couldn't you have, like... Uh, yeah, there's, there's probably a ton of Disney actresses right now that are, you know, like, 18, 19, or even, like, early 20s that could go back and play a 16-year-old... Or fifteen-year-old version of you know Leia. Why that wouldn't work. You know why that wouldn't work. Why? Why wouldn't that Cause work? Because it, it would be boring. Why would it be boring? Because it's just a, a like we've already have movies like that. You know the one where the girl finds out that she's a princess, but she's I guess she was. 
Damn, but like, what if? See, you can't do it because the, the a new hope already happened. But like, she could have discovered things. She'd be like, "My mom was a queen. I'm this badass." She doesn't know that she's adopted. Animals will attack me, and my shirt will become half the size? Question mark. No, it wouldn't work. Uh, but that's an idea. It is an idea, but it's a bad one. <laughs> all right so we're going back to trans fast and the furious yeah like just stick with stick with what you know i don't know that like to we could argue endlessly about what star wars movies could come sounds you know like what? we want similar stuff you want like a more badass just full out empire movie maybe it just calls the empire yeah maybe who knows there might not even be rise of the years. empire there might not even be any movies by the time we're allowed to go see them. And I want a Yoda Maze Windu movie as a buddy cop. Maybe they mentored each other. Or what's his face? Um, holy shit. Why can't I think of his name either? Oh, the guy who crushes or he knocks out Obi-Wan and then takes away Anakin's arm and fights Yoda at the end. Of- yeah. The problem with that is that he's dead. Yes. One thousand in real life. Yes, but what was his name? (laughs) Count Dooku. Yes, thank you. Why? Holy fuck! I'm done. Uh, (laughs) You could do that because they train together. You don't need to have a a him. You could use a younger one because Yoda's gonna be younger. They they like they talk about how they like trained alongside each other, and then he got more powerful because he learned the dark side of the Force. Count Dooku. I know that name, and it's the worst that I forgot that. That's all right. I'll 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 forgive you. You'll allow time. it. Yeah, yeah. But you know what I mean? Like you could do that kind of film and get away with it. Because A it hasn't been done. B Yoda has been either a puppet or digital this entire time so you can manipulate his age whatever way you want. And you could just make Count Dooku younger. Mm-hmm. You could literally cast that. You can cast Zack and Zack fucking Efron. Or you can get... Um, uh, I'd say that's a stretch. Okay. Um, <laughs> the guy who plays Jughead on Riverdale. You can do anything you want with this character because nobody saw him young. You could literally change him to whatever you want. You just need to find a young dude that looks like he could want to fuck shit up with Yoda. He and, needs to be British. Well, I mean, that's not hard. Tom Holland. There you go. Boom. <laughs> I'm solving all these problems at the same time. All right. On that low note, I think we're going to uh, call it. <laughs> you heard it here first, guys. Tom Holland leaving Spider-Man for Star Wars. Uh, I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. All right. I well, don't know. You, you are right. That is it for this one. If you like what you're hearing, you subscribe. If you're a Star Wars fan and you're fed up with David and I, we're sorry. Um. Come check us out uh, for our Xbox exclusive. Um, we're just going to review everything that happened this week, and it's going to be awesome. We're, we're, we're very excited for that episode. We want to leave you with uh, an artist that we know. His name's Adi Leone. Uh, this is a new track, Vibe. Check it out, and thanks for listening. I'm not your name, cause I don't love you. Yeah, I'm just saying, I'm in myself